It's been one year since the migrant caravan arrived in Tijuana. The images of thousands of people walking from Guatemala to the U.S. border captured national attention and became a central theme of the midterm elections. Despite the Trump administration's focus on the caravan, the Republicans lost the House. But in the coming year, immigration policies were retooled and tightened to make successfully gaining asylum more difficult than the walk across the length of Mexico. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is Border Dispatch, a special episode of your San Diego News Fix. Wendy Fry, you're a member of the border team at the San Diego Union Tribune, and we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the caravan, which really dominated coverage at this time last year and really turned into something beyond a story. Let's go back to the beginning. What exactly was the caravan? So a a group of about a thousand people left Honduras October, I think 13th, Mm mid-October. They left Honduras and they started just gathering people as they moved northward. And by the time they got to about Mexico City, they were uh, about 6,000 to 7,000 people. So a lot of people joined in to this idea of coming to ask the U.S. for asylum in a very public way. Mm -hmm. And this also happened right during the midterm elections. So President Donald Trump really turned all of the focus on immigration, but it didn't seem to work out for him when it actually happened. When you kind of discuss the politics uh, that were kind of being discussed at the time. I think that's what made it so captivating to so many people is that you saw these two. It was sort of like a trains going Mm -hmm. to the same point. Right. You knew there was going to be a collision because leading up to it, President Trump was tweeting a lot, nearly every day, you know, that he was going to close the southern border. He instructed border agents to shoot them if they if they breached the border. Mm -hmm. He um, tweeted that they were invaders, all sorts of things that really riled up emotions on both sides of the issue. Mm -hmm. And as the caravan was moving north, what were some of the steps that Mexico tried to take to either help or hinder them as they went north about this time last year? The thing to understand in Mexico is that there are three layers of government. So there's the municipal, the state, and the the federal. And while the federal government was saying that they were trying to stop uh, the caravan, what you would see in the different states was the governors would actually have control of the federal police and, and, and they were helping them move along to move them through their state. So basically, like, not my problem, go on to the next state. Yeah. they would, they would, you, There's video, lots of video online you can see where you see the federal police actually helping load people onto the, the buses and the, the, the different modes of transportation to move them along so that they didn't drag resources away from that state. Mm-hmm. And it took a while for them to get all the way from the bottom of Mexico all the way to Tijuana. What was the initial reaction within Tijuana when they finally arrived? It was an unexpected reaction, I think, because Tijuana is a city of migrants. People come from from all over Mexico to Tijuana. Uh, But yet when the caravan arrived, they were not as welcomed as they thought that they were going to be. There Mm -hmm. were some groups, and I don't want to say all of Tijuana. That's very important to understand. There was some small groups within Tijuana uh, protested and marched and really met the migrants with a lot of uh, anger. Yeah, and like it's worth noting that even before the migrant caravan, Tijuana had been struggling with other migrants and asylees who weren't being let into the U.S. So things were already strained, and adding on more thousands of people, it certainly created tensions there. 
That's right. I think I did a story right before the caravan came that was one of the shelter directors saying that they were already in crisis because there there had been a lot of people who had already come that season Mm -hmm. to TJ and the shelters were already full. Mm -hmm. And I think perhaps the biggest flashpoint in the first phase of the caravan was the time when the border was briefly shut down. Can you recap what it was like then? Yes. So I think it was the day right the day right after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And there was a group of about 100 or a couple hundred migrants who ran towards the border. They were being blocked at a bridge um, trying to march towards Chaparral. And they were being blocked by federal police. And they ended up running around them and ran towards the border. And that's when border agents deployed uh, tear gas across the border into Tijuana. Mm-hmm. And um, it, Definitely, uh, it was a lot of chaos, uh, a lot of action going on, and um, the border was shut down for safety reasons, but it cost tons of money to the border region Mm -hmm. for that to happen. Yeah, and people were stuck on both sides. And you were actually there when the tear gas was being deployed, and you got some rather riveting video of that. What really, like, sticks in your brain now that it's been, like, a year since then? What, What still is, like, the most vivid kind of memory to you? So when it's all happening, what what really struck me is you, you're not always, when you're in the moment, you're not always seeing everything mm-hmm. exactly as it's happening. So when I went back and reviewed the videos, I, 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 I saw them and thought, oh, I didn't see that happening. So I, there were a very small handful of um, people who threw rocks at border agents, and I hadn't seen that while I was running alongside them trying to grab the video. Mm-hmm. But when I reviewed it, I did. And I would also say just the children um, crying from the tear gas because it's very uncomfortable to have tear gas in your eyes. It, you know, it drains out your entire nasal system. It burns really bad. Sometimes you feel like you can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And so to see children having that reaction was just really horrific. Yeah, and there was that famous writer's photo of a, a mother trying to get her two young daughters out of the tear gas, and that kind of really showed the the kind of human element of this because it seems like the whole discussion of the caravan and migrants sought to kind of dehumanize this group and use it for political purposes, while this image kind of did the opposite. Exactly. The rhetoric on the political side was trying to frame this group of people as invaders. They were trying to breach the border in a in a kind of military way. Mm-hmm. They were trying to, um, you know, in, that's the exact word that people were using. And then you see moms with kids, babies who don't even have teeth yet, who are in diapers. Mm-hmm. And like, this is your dangerous criminal uh, invader that you're so afraid of, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe, maybe um, it's not exactly what you think it is. I think that that image was really the iconic image. Mm-hmm. And all of this happened when national, international media really had their eyes on Tijuana and San Diego. And it was somewhat odd for us because it seemed like the national narrative missed out on the subtle details that we just take for granted living in a border region. That's right. Yeah, there were a lot of uh, national media there. And of course, they were playing into the more national rhetoric, political message of, you mm-hmm. know, we were approaching the midterm. Um, or I think the midterm elections had just happened, right? November yeah. 6th. And so we were in this time of, of, of political shifting and um, election shifting. And the national narrative for the national uh, network TV definitely played into the, the conversation about immigration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and after a while, it did seem like the kind of idea of the caravan 
ultimately kind of dissolved maybe around February or March. And it seems like life really slowed down in Tijuana. How did these migrants who are mostly from the Northern Triangle countries ultimately kind of settled in Tijuana as many still are there? Right. So their life still is sort of in limbo. And it did it did kind of fizzle out. You know, they were all together as a big group and there was this big um, sense of camaraderie and togetherness and they were going to achieve this thing together. And then when they got rebuffed at the border, you know, it kind of the sentiment was kind of like a lot of uh, disappointment and then everybody kind of making up their own mind about what to do next, about whether to return home or find jobs in TJ to support themselves. And a lot of them found jobs in Tijuana and are supporting themselves there, but their Mm -hmm. life is still in limbo because they're not sure if they're going to try to cross, if they're going to try to ask for asylum. Some are waiting for the change in presidency, change in administration for different Mm -hmm. policies, and some are just trying to make a life there in TJ. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like those migrants and, you know, people trying to seek asylum in the U.S., are they kind of paying attention to what's going on politically? Because it does seem like almost every month or something, there's some new kind of policy seeking to slow or complicate the means to achieve asylum in the U.S. Oh, yes. They pay very, very close attention to the news. And uh, they also it's sort of a word of mouth. If, if something works for somebody and they end up um, getting asylum or getting through, then then they they have that story. And this my friend did this and this is how I can maybe um, try to explain what my situation is, what my case is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, they're definitely paying very close attention to the different policies. And those policies are definitely making it harder for people to ask for asylum in the United States. Mm -hmm. And it seems like there are just so many kind of side stories that connect to the caravan. We had the family separation, we had the remain in Mexico, and the issues with the the shelters along the border. And it seems like all of these things together are just a means to try to close off the border and to kind of create fear in a sense. Right. And a a deterrent, I think, that is what the the Trump administration is trying to create, is trying to create the message, don't come here, you won't get through. Mm -hmm. And to a large extent, they've been able to do that with the cooperation of Mexico's federal government, who Mm -hmm. is acting as a safe third country, keeping these migrants from reaching the U.S. border. We just had the National Guard stop a caravan of about 2,000 migrants, mostly from Africa, Mm -hmm. trying to reach the U.S. border. So Mexico is, in a large sense, doing a lot of the work of the U.S. immigration policy right now. Mm -hmm. And is Mexico seeing uh, anti-immigrant rhetoric similar that we've seen in the U.S. or the things just not kind of at that point yet there? Sometimes there is, but I wouldn't say to the large extent that we Mm -hmm. see it here. It seems here there's, you know, the huge polarization. And in Mexico, it seems like as a whole, the community and the society sort of understand, they understand violence. They understand Mm -hmm. fleeing. Uh, they understand uprooting your life when you don't really want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't see it as a as as extensive as here. Yeah, and like for us, you know, it's it's kind of hard to imagine like living with cartel violence constantly. While in Mexico, that can just be a couple hundred miles away. Right, right, and and something that you almost anybody you know, you have a brother or a sister or a cousin or somebody that's experienced something. Mm-hmm. And. A lot of your stories recently have been focusing on minorities within the caravan who are now trying to establish places where they can live safely. Why don't you recount some of the struggles that you've been writing about over the past several months? 
Definitely the LGBTQ community has had a particularly hard time. Um, studies, you know, humanitarian studies show that they often face violence, not just in their home country, but as they're coming through Mexico. And that's true for, for, for women migrants. Mm-hmm. That's true for a lot of migrants. They face kidnappings and extortion and violence as they are coming up to the U.S.-Mexico border. But particularly this LGBTQ community has, I mean, resources are strained in Tijuana as it is. Mm-hmm. But then you also have the added concern for this community that they're afraid they're going to be attacked. The different shelters are afraid to attack, uh, attract negative attention mm-hmm. by by advertising that they're a shelter where someone from the LGBT community can find safety. Mm-hmm. And I imagine the violence comes from, you know, anywhere from religious zealots to just, you know, everyday harassment that happens in society, unfortunately. Right. I think it's still not to the level of where we have a, a societal acceptance of people who have different sexual orientations mm-hmm. in in Mexico, not yet. The, I mean, it's still very difficult to get married as a same-sex couple in Baja California. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not impossible, but it's very difficult to do. And so, the society hasn't hasn't be, families are not quite as accepting as you would find here yet. Mm-hmm. And now that it's been a kind of a year of these stories that kind of keep churning. How would you describe the kind of feeling of hope among asylees in Tijuana? Are they hoping for the election to change things or are they just waiting for a lucky break? Like, how would you describe it? It's more in just little moments that you find these little these little rays of hope. And it's more in these little moments of people like people who have nothing who reach out to give somebody else who has nothing, a room or something. You Mm -hmm. find these little pockets of humanity. But overall, the need is just overwhelming and the desperation is still very overwhelming every day. There's things happening like yesterday, um, this family who's about to have a baby and they were very, very confused and turned away from a hospital where they were seeking prenatal care. Like the mom is about to have the baby any Mm -hmm. minute now. And so they didn't know where to go. And it's just very stressful uh, a lot of the times for the different communities because they're trying to help each other out with these different problems and and they're in a a place where they're not familiar with as well. Mm -hmm. And also one problem that was facing this group about this time last year was it was getting into winter. It was the rainy season. A lot of these people were in sorted situations, no roof over their head. Is is that still what's going to happen now? Or are many of these people housed or at least in some kind of shelter? Yeah, that was so awful last year. The mud and the rain, uh, the conditions. It was. It seemed like it was a lot colder, too, at mm-hmm. night than at this time of the year last year. But for the most part, people are in shelters with at least a roof over their head now. And so so we're not going to be seeing the large numbers and the, the, the huge humanitarian concern and the health concern of women and children sick in, in the, uh, out in the elements while it's pouring rain. Uh, hopefully we, we are not going to see that again. Mm-hmm. It seems like the caravan and all of these immigration stories have been kind of struggling to maintain the national attention more so than they had in the past. I mean, we were aided by dramatic images that you took in your video in the beginning. But is it strange to kind of see the national conversation move rightfully so, towards the impeachment inquiry versus this still ongoing humanitarian crisis on the border. Do you find that kind of disconnect strange? I think a lot of the journalists in Baja California that cover it every single day definitely wonder, you know, there's still the stories that are, that are you know, these extreme desperation and, and concern and security issues. And so definitely people wonder, 
you know, why why the national attention is sort of just moved on um, when there's still people suffering at mm-hmm. the border. Yeah, and it seems like to carry that attention and that focus, it kind of requires those images to really kind of, I guess, recenter people on what's actually happening. I think that the the caravan, though, it did sort of have a lasting impact in that, you know, it, it, the conversation is still going about immigration. The more mm-hmm. the Trump administration pushes to close down the border, the more the humanitarians and the advocates and the lawyers push back. And so they're still arguing all these policies in court, and that will be going on for a long time. And then you also have sort of the shift in Mexico's policy. Mm-hmm. So And, and you, you have U.S. promised billions of dollars in aid to the Central American countries. So it's definitely had a lasting impact just as far as immediate and extreme attention. No, it's not having that right now. After everything, do you think the actions of the administration have prevented the chance of another caravan to use similar strategies to come up from anywhere is now gone? I don't know if we'd ever see something like what happened last year ever happen again because the policies in Mexico have changed. Uh, however, I know that there's still the the activism and the 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 support for migrants that still carries on. All right. Wendy Fry, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. In other border news, across the country, asylum officers are calling in sick, requesting transfers, retiring earlier than planned, and quitting, all to resist the Trump administration's policies. Many officers view the changes, such as the Remain in Mexico program, illegal. In a collaboration with the radio program This American Life, her sister paper, The Los Angeles Times, takes an exclusive, frontline look at one of the Trump administration's most successful policies to restrict asylum, the Migrant Protection Protocols, from the perspective of the asylum officers forced to implement it. Subscribe to This American Life wherever you get your podcasts to hear immigration reporter Molly O'Toole through this journey. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. Our creative director is Beto Alvarez, and our digital editor is Ricky Young. This podcast comes together with support from our creative studio and reporters throughout the newsroom. Please rate us and review us on your favorite podcast app and support our journalism by signing up for our print and digital products at uniontrip.com slash subscribe. Until next time.